Diane, it's Sunday, 11.58 in the morning. I'm sending you the latest episode of season two of Horror Vanguard's Twin Peaks Retrospective. I think you're going to get a kick out of this one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Horror Vanguard's Twin Peaks Retrospective. I am Ash, one of the co-ghosts, and we are joined by Scout. John, a.k.a. the Liquor Guy's cat. How's, how's it going, you two? Yeah, good, good. We are doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. Um, Scout is a big fan of, of season two of Twin Peaks. Yeah, we're we are we are now a uh, this is like a a guys on a couch personality driven podcast, but you and I are slowly leaving the show and being replaced by our cats. Yeah, exactly. And um, and you know, fortunately, the cats are going to do less like terrible financial and dating advice. So I honestly think that's how we that's how we save that genre of podcasting. I, I, I keep saying podcasting is so due for the kind of late VHS grift. Make a podcast for your cats. That's just cats talking. <laughs> um, Call it cat talk. Cat talk. There you go. That's uh, That would go so viral on TikTok. <laughs> uh, cats, I know that you're listening. Uh, call us. We are happy to talk more about this idea. <laughs> Just give give your cat your phone. They'll, 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 they know what to do. Um, we are talking about, of course, episode uh, twelve or five or seventy. I don't. I don't know anymore. I don't know what number we're on. But we are talking about the orchids curse. This this is going to get exciting. This is a this is a spicy, high octane episode. We have a shootout. We we have the word schizophrenia being mentioned essentially every third line. Uh, we have like five separate ability discourses happening. This episode is uh, uh, we are cursed. We are we are the orchids cursed now that we have watched this. Yeah, the um the pace the pace and the the kind of the amount of stuff that's just being thrown into these episodes is definitely ramping up. I feel. I have a ridiculous hot take about the amount of stuff that's happening. And this is like, this this is bordering on Tommy Wiseau levels of things just keep happening. Yeah, stuff just keeps going on for some reason. And we're not, not really sure why. Which which only furthers my Tommy Wiseau as an American realist filmmaker. That's 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 a take we'll get to eventually. Uh, I think I think so. I think so. Um, <laughs> we'll just, we just spend the rest of the Twin Peaks retrospective talking, talking about, about the, the room. room. <laughs> where would you oh, where would dear. you like to begin i think we should begin with uh cooper's fondness for yoga yes okay what what do you what do you have to say about this because his kind of fascinate like not only his but the show as a text fascination with iconography and subjects from the east i find to be very interesting yeah so there's a there's a real fondness for like things like transcendental meditation in a lot of david lynch's work and there's a real interest in this notion of like yogic discipline um yeah i, I like that he's i i think but again even in the midst of all that when people go oh the show is so weird it's really goofy because it opens with cooper talking about a weird dream he had yes uh and he was doing a com it's a it's a comedy bit where he goes i dreamt i was eating a large tasteless gumdrop and then he awoke and he's been chewing on one of his earplugs <laughs> 
and and this is this is maybe my favorite thing about spending a lot of time with Twin Peaks is that like this reputation of Lynch as like this and and I know in season two he was far to, to a degree much less involved but this reputation mm-hmm. of, of like the Lynchian as like the dark and the strange and the sexually transgressive David Lynch is just a goofy little guy right he's just is, and he's just having fun oh. oh. Yeah, I was going to say, this is what makes David Lynch so at home with uh, with other figures in my mind that are similar, like John Waters or Divine or, or just like, like like any of that. Like These are just like absolute weirdos wrestling massive psychic concepts, dealing with tons of fun perversion, but but also the massive weirdo part. That, that's probably the standout feature here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's... I mean, let's get into the big discourse then. Let's get into the big discourse. Um, let's get into the uh, Twin Peaks as Deleuze Guattarian commentary on schizophrenia. Um, uh, womp, womp, womp. <laughs> the alarms go off and we're immediately surrounded by a thousand angry leftists <laughs> with massive books they want to throw at us. <laughs> um Okay, where would you like to kind of start with this? Because we, we have to talk about we have to talk about Harold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to talk about Harold, the one-armed man. We have to talk about just fucking Leland. Everybody, Jesus Christ! Okay, there's, <laughs> there's a lot here. There's a lot here. There's a, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. Um, so okay, okay, Harold, where where, where do you want to start with this one? Because Harold Harold features prominently in this episode. I think it, it's a good it's good to start with his character. Okay, so so Harold has made an offer to Donna, um, right? Which is to say yeah. that like he's going to include her in the living narrative of the living novel of Twin Peaks that he's working on that he's responsible for if he lets her read the diary. Um and there is um their relationship is like they're sort of intrigued by each other, right? They're sort of intrigued by one another. Um and of course Donna decides that they have to take the diary. Um. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm. What do you think of how this plays out? So there's something that's really interesting that's going on between Harold, the one-armed man, and establishing psychic legitimacy. Yes. Right. So Harold has Laura Palmer's secret diary. Harold informs us and Donna that there's nothing in there that's going to help solve the murder. It's it's these are just some of Laura's secret thoughts. That's it. All that's in there is a mystery. There's nothing that's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we have the one-armed man, right, who, you know, we can go back to the giant's clue without chemicals. He points to talk about psychopharmacology and how how that functions in a larger capitalistic context. Um and we could also talk about the fact that that he is and the almost classical Greek sense of the word, a schizophrenic, a person split in twain. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think is really interesting here is when these characters are being pressed and when they're being questioned, you know, whoever is trying to establish this kind of like, uh, like punitive legitimacy questions whether or not they are schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and that, like that, it's it's essentially meaningless, right? Like they're not asking a question with meaning. They're attempting to create a discursive category, right? They're not asking like, what is the state of your psyche and how does that change how you perceive the world? 
you know, like they don't care about the one-armed man. They don't care about Harold. When they're asking that, they're attempting to place Harold or the one-armed man into like these delegitimized psychic taxa so that they can then be oppressed by the state in some way. So then you can strap the one-armed man to a table for the rest of his life until you meet him. Then you can break into Harold's home and steal his stuff. If he's crazy, he has no rights and his meanings don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think this ties into how Leo is treated as well. Right. If you become... Yes. If you you are suddenly... I mean, this is... This is a kind of like very basic point and is is played out in a lot of different socially constructed categories. But if you become, if you are or you become something that can be placed outside of the category of the normative, however that is uh, enforced in ensconced and kind of policed, then you are kind of robbed of any moral agency as well, right? You you don't get to be agential, right? This is this is ex- yes. exactly the point because. Uh, the discourse around schizophrenia and crime is about culpability and specifically responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens to Leo. Leo, who is now in, I suppose, what we would call a kind of coma of sorts. Um, yeah. A, or, a, 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 or a vegetative state um, for now. Or I think coma is a better word. Yeah. Um, he becomes a kind of, he becomes a kind of puppet. And in fairness, uh, the way that he gets treated, I'm not wild about. I think it's, I think it's, it's interesting what happens to Leo um, as another way in which, you know, the right outcome, the just outcome is often a kind of predicate for like no actual justice, right? But really a sort of a new yes. sort of punishment. Yes. Like let's, let's like, I, I think it's worth really unpacking what's going on with Leo because Leo Leo's a huge scumbag. Oh, an awful person. Yeah. Yeah, just 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 an absolute monster of a human being, right? He he abuses his partner. He is engaged in all the all the non good kinds of crime. <laughs> you know, he's he's not out there Robin Hooding. He's not out there supplying cannabis to consenting adults. He's doing he's doing murders. Yes, he's doing financial arsons. Yeah, he's not a fun guy. No, he's not. He's a he is he is he is a pretty unambiguously bad guy. Yeah, it's, it's safe to say we can call him bad. <laughs> but I, I think it's I, I think you're absolutely right. What happens to him is incredibly complicated. And I think the person that the show is attempting to or the show is effectively indicting here is us, the viewer, because mm-hmm. we, we, we kind of join uh, uh, Shelley and Bobby in, in their kind of like sick tormenting of, of the now comatose Leo. But but of course, Shelley only keeps him around because there's a health insurance policy. So she's kind of like very, mm-hmm. she's both financially vulnerable and very dependent. Um, and I think it's... Which? I think, yeah, in the next episode, we will... I think it's the next episode. Is it in Demons? Yes, I think it's in Demons. I think Demons. so. I think, I think it's in so. Demons. Yeah, we find out just how kind of deep that goes and the kind of... But Bobby is interested in revenge, right? Bobby's interested mm-hmm. in... is Interest here is in is in punishment. is in, in And you go, I kind of see it, but this doesn't bode well for you, Bobby. <laughs> like, 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 it's it's easy to sympathize with the kind of like... Like libidinal desires here, right? Like the household libidinal, libidinal economy of Shelley, Bobby, and Leo. Why they're doing this to him? Yeah. 
like like this vindictive desire to punish but like you know, as we see in the court case that runs parallel to this you you can't punish leo anymore you know like leo 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 isn't home to punish right this is like sentencing someone in absentia right yeah he's 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 not the one being so this is why it's i say it's like it has nothing to do with justice leo's not being punished here yeah right because as you pointed out leo is is not really registering what's happening to him as punishment Mm-hmm. So there are some really interesting theories of justice around, around kind of like sloshing around in Twin Peaks. And again, it's this idea of like, you, you you can't change anything without reciprocal recognition of the past and its various kinds of violence, mm-hmm. right? You can't change anything. Um. Oh yeah, uh, I I like in in our notes. You just mentioned the cyborg manifesto, and maybe maybe you can explain why. <laughs> okay, uh, so th- there uh, there's a huge Donna Haraway call out in, in this in this episode. Uh, uh, that is is that's that's a bit. By the way, I don't think that's intentional in the slightest. But there's a character named Mister Pinkle, um, who's another. We 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 have a lot of like fun walk on guys. In, here in here in early season two every episode gives us a new fun guy that just walks into the show uh and mr pinkle sells medical supplies right he he is he is going to retrofit the leo shelley homestead with all of the equipment they need to take care of the now comatose leo mm-hmm. um and uh he, he's he's trying he's trying to hook them on the sale for some apparatus and he says he says the outstanding line a woman is like a machine which which i only assume that that was a complicated if fumbled reference to the cyborg manifesto yeah. Yeah, yeah and really interesting politics on gender and living cybernetics yes absolutely like, that's that's exactly I what it has to be i assume that's what that was that's exactly what it has to be okay yeah i that that, that couldn't just be a throwaway bit of misogyny that had to be a <laughs> 3D chess <laughs> left political theory commentary. Uh, but that does like I, I really like his interactions with Shelly and Bobby and and the Leo. Right? Because she- Shelly Shelly and Bobby are like, oh, we've got this cash cow. We're gonna get five thousand dollars a month from the health insurance payouts. And and they never t- take a moment to sit down and, and think that oh no we're in America yeah it's like Shelly and Bobby you know where you <laughs> live right you must you, you must know that that is not happening that that is getting hoovered up by by every every medical apparatus dealer in the tri-state area uh, which um, again without spoiling too much is exactly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that we should kind of connect this to is the bail hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, you know, you have like the arguments around Leo and like legal capacity. But what do you think about that hearing? And as I put it in the notes, how you get how to avoid jail. So this, I think, I think for for me, the thing that stands out here is a lot of what I talked about in the previous episode about American crime drama television. You know, because like watching this episode, I was just thinking a lot about your own comments on twin, the what is the genre of Twin Peaks? What kind of a show are we watching? Yeah. And when we get these crime drama moments, like I, I think about like Criminal Minds, NCIS, the the kind of like 
you know, like new the the new like high water marks for American crime fantasy or even true crime shows. Right. It, it's heavily pro cop, heavily pro law enforcement. It is just is almost wall to wall copaganda. Mm hmm. And and here we've got like the, this prosecutor trying to argue that Leo can stand trial, and Leo Leo is comatose. There's no Leo there to stand trial. Oh, can and we, even the judge is like, "What?" Can we also talk about the the cocktail that they all decide to drink? Oh yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you got? What do you got? Uh, mostly that that just seems to be the worst drink in existence. And how many other how many other like terrible fictional cocktails have you found? <laughs> um so i i <clears throat> i once went to a three-day uh twin peaks season three the return uh uh like episode premiere party mm -hmm. um and there were many bad twin peaks themed cocktails a lot of a lot of people have this bizarre temptation to make the fish and the percolator work as a cocktail yeah and okay, yeah, I, you can't do it. So this is this is the Black Yukon Sucker Punch. I was just looking up the um, I was just looking up up the uh, uh, the name for it. And I, oh, let's 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 do let's do some mixology here. How how would I make one of yeah. these? It's uh, it almost pretty immediately um, kind of turns me off the recipe that I found because it involves one of my least favorite things to put in a cocktail, which are egg whites. Um, I just mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. don't think you should do it. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't think you should do it. So I, I, I just pulled up because I, I one I agree with your statement completely. Uh, but also uh, two ounces bourbon, one ounce sweet vermouth, uh, preferably coffee infused, one teaspoon uh, creme de cacao, and then uh, blue whipped cream. <laughs> You know what? You know what? I'm, you know, no, no, we're not make. No, we're never going to make. What? 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 <laughs> you had me for a second there. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a, there's a line, there's a line where they, there is this kind of argument about what justice is, where it's, they say he is as deserving of a trial as this community is of a sense of revolution, of resolution rather. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is what this is what the trial is, right? The trial is not really an object for justice. It's a tr it's a kind of narrative prosthesis. It's a, yes. it's a way of trying to neatly resolve the contradictions and problems of the death of Laura Palmer without actually resolving them in all of their cosmic weirdness that they get into. Which is incredibly damning of our real world lived condition, right? Like. If if this is true in the goofy, mysterious, and sometimes spooky world of Twin Peaks, like, ooh, I got I got bad news. I got bad news bad about news the world for in which literally we find ourselves. Everybody else. <laughs> if you like fixing problems, you are not going to like this system that we have. Um, no, indeed, uh, because we have the system of uh, global capital, which which of course brings us to Mister Tojimura. Oh, listeners who have watched Beyond the Orchid's Curse and know the secret of Mr. Tajimura, we're going to hold off on that one until we get there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we, 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 will do, we will do so. We will, we will do so. 
Um, Otherwise, that's all we'll talk about for like three or four episodes. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll keep our powder dry, as it were. Um, <laughs> what should we talk about instead? What should we What should we move on to? Well, I, th- I think I think there are interesting things about Mr. Tajimura that we can talk about before the big reveal, mm-hmm. um, which which will no doubt be that entire episode. Um, but so we we've already had this since season one, right? Like, to, Twin Twin Peaks is as much as it is focalized as like a local show of the Pacific Northwest and full of Pacific Northwest flair. It's it's also a show about global capitalism. Yes, yeah, yeah, and the, and how how the kind of like international machinations of finance just completely railroad the lives of average people the world over because if this is happening if 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 the ghostwood project is is affecting the people the local residents of twin peaks in ways that they can't articulate because they simply do not know imagine what's going on with with all of those swedes i know they're uh icelandic aren't they or icelandic icelandic i'm sorry Sorry to our Swedish listeners out there in the audience. I know we are uh, the 42nd most popular film and television podcast in in Northern Europe. Which, so which uh, got a got a shout out, pr- got to apologize. It's pretty pretty stiff competition because the media and uh, culture criticism podcasts in Sweden they're pretty good. <laughs> fire, just just pure, pure paradoxically, they're pure fire, even though it's very cold. <laughs> Again, again, we we apologize to our Swedish listener, um, and we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, fun abounds here in the town of Twin Peaks. So, uh, well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a Twin Peaks retrospective episode without having to talk about some kind of phallocentrism. So, how do you feel about cigars? Oh, man, Ben Ben Horn and his enormous phallic cigar that he is constantly uh putting in his mouth um there is there is this um just checking some detail yeah uh, it's it's really just that the the cigar is the symbol of power right you know there's the old freudian joke a cigar sometimes a cigar is just a cigar and you have to go well no it isn't it's never just a cigar Mm -hmm. because of everything that it represents Yes, the way that and the, cigar the function is, of the cigar. Absolutely, and I was going to say the the cigar is least a cigar for someone who insists it is just a cigar. C- correct. Um, yeah, and what do you what do you think then about Ben Horn and and perhaps we can think about him in relation to Audrey and Cooper in this episode and in the next episode as well. I I so so this this episode uh we're, we're about to get into Cooper's daring rescue of Audrey mm-hmm. in the Gothic catacombs that is Canada, but we you know Ben Horn is is the perfect Gothic patriarch. Hundreds of years of Gothic fiction, and it wasn't until Frost and Lynch that this guy was really hammered out. Uh, yeah, thank you Horace Walpole, thank you Anne Radcliffe, thank you uh, Frost and Lynch. but his his focus on the cigar and i think this is such a this is such an important feature of the classic gothic patriarch too is not only are they this kind of not only are they a patriarchal tyrant but it is that it is that patrocentricity that effectively shuts off their ability to see and connect with the rest of the world around him Mm -hmm. he literally does not know that he almost or did sexually assault his daughter 
right? Because he was so bound up in his own patrocentric logics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here he is like deep throating a cigar in, in a, in a long and detailed shot for our amusement while all of this is still happening, while a business that he ostensibly owns has imprisoned his daughter, literally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, and, you know, there's this, there's this question really of like, do you, this is, this, this gets expressed most clearly in the, in the stuff around the diary, but there's this question of like, do you really want to know what the ultimate secret is? Do you really want to have all of this stuff come out? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Horton's relationship with Audrey, the real truth of what's in Laura's diary. Um, and I think this is the show not only just commenting on its own storylines and its own kind of character motivations, but also the kind of central problem of genre television, which is the desire for the, the kind of tension between there's always more mystery that has to be unfolded, but at a certain point, things have to resolve. Yes. So wh- what do you think about that? Particularly in the in, in the in the context of how this episode ends as well, I I was going to say there's a certain part of the ending of this episode that I think is an, a perfect example of like, oh, you want your mysteries unraveled? Well, I will show you what what an absence of satisfaction feels like, mm-hmm. and that's and that's Cooper's daring rescue of Audrey Horn, you know, because because so so Cooper Cooper and Sheriff Truman go to uh one-eyed Jacks to rescue Audrey. Cooper has finally found the note that Audrey left. Yes. Uh and so so they're up there on on an elite secret stealth mission. Uh, uh and and you know like there's, there's a lot of good like you know like kind of like spy action stuff that's happening there. There, there there's a good shootout, you know, they rescue Audrey and then right at the end the bad guys get the drop on Coop. He's he's gunned down, you know, like it's it's curtains for our detective. And then Hawk shows up and like throws a knife through the dude. And, and, it's, and it, I, I forget I forget what he says, but it's something along the lines of Waka Waka, invite me to the party next time. <laughs> and then like a sick guitar riff kicks in. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then there's, a, then there's an explosion in the background and they jet ski away. But no, and I, I think that's such a good example of like. Like here, here's this amazingly tense moment that they set up, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you know, Coop, Coop has just like there's a lot of great tension in the rescue. They just make it through. Blackie is dead, you know. Uh, Jean Renault has escaped. There's there's so much like like oh who's around every, like they're splitting up at certain points. They're looking around corners. They're they're like there's some party at One Eyed Jacks going on that they're trying to slip through. Mm-hmm. And then, like, right at the end, it's just, like, it's just, like, getting a bunch of cold water dumped on you, <laughs> right? Like, it, it, it just, like, snuffs snuffs out all of the tension and the excitement with a little gag. And, of course, and it's this the, kind of the oh, same thing happens to Donna and Maddie, but from the opposite point of view, right? Because they end up mm-hmm. in serious trouble right at the end. But it, once again, mm-hmm. there is no resolution for them. Because that's, that's sort of like the show giving you the giving you the hook of like the tune in next time for more of the incredible exploits. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that this really fits with a lot of like Lynch's sensibilities as an artist, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, like nothing ends. There is no resolution. You know, like we're, we're not a book. You never turn the page. The chapter never ends. The story goes on forever. Every every moment of you builds into the next. Every part of your past weaves into the future. You know, like like you you can never you know isolate parts of yourself. You can never truly cancel out something that you've been. Mm-hmm. 
and like twin twin peaks is like okay wrestle with that so sometimes it's funny sometimes it's important other times it sucks but it is it is in fact the way we exist in this world <sighs> that that's our that's our exit line right there twin peaks <laughs> that, no that was a, <laughs> well that was a really that was a really good way of summing up oh thank you uh, well, uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed our discussion of episode 12, The Orchid's Curse. And we'll be back next week for episode 13, Demons. Diane, it is that we have more questions than we have answers. A new episode. A new episode. Diane, it's Sunday. Go get a kick out of this one. If the long history of the perception of owls reveals one thing, it is that we have more questions than we have answers.